0: Hi, my name is Pastor Tony Gilmore. When you walk into a church, what does it mean? Do you conjure up thoughts of music, singing, love and compassion, or hypocrisy and judgment? Jesus left his church behind to be his representative to the world. In this series, you'll find out what his real church should look like. And it's in 2 Timothy 3, 5 through 8. It reads, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the sin of guilt and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings but they're never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janice and John Breeze opposed Moses. They have been deprived. They have deprived minds and a counterfeit faith. The title of today's message is, Are You a (laughs) Knockoff? Father, I thank you. Your presence is in this place. Thank you for creativity and the articulation of speech. Holy Spirit, help me to speak this the way you spoke it to me. And I thank you for your, just what you're going to do to us. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be good for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you a knockoff? I must have struck a nerve with that, my Lord. Y'all, I don't know if you heard the story a couple of weeks ago, but there was a, a group of Girl Scouts who were selling Girl Scout cookies, and somebody gave them a counterfeit $100 bill. And yeah, that's the way I felt. I said, what kind of whatever would do such a thing to, to give Girl Scouts counterfeit money? But they did. And so they had to go and develop new systems so that they could not be tricked anymore with people's money. As a matter of fact, what they had to do was take the fake $100 bill and get a real $100 bill so they could know the difference between what's fake and what's real. It's interesting that if you're ever going to know what's fake, you got to know what's real first. So many of us don't know real Christianity and what it should look like. And so we end up imitating fakes and thinking that that's Christianity. And you get enough of us together doing that, and people will start saying things like, yep, that's what they do. That's how Christians are. Do you know that you're the only Bible that somebody's going to read? You're the only Jesus that somebody's going to see. And when we act a certain way, the Bible calls us ambassadors, representatives of the kingdom of God. When someone is an ambassador, that means you represent that country or that organization when. And here is where it shows up the most. Not while you're on the job, but when you're away. See, to be a counterfeit means an imitation, a fraudulent look, deceptive, not genuine, imposter, fake, knockoff. And I want to just, so we're going to take a question. And don't raise your hands. I'm not asking you to out yourself. I'm just saying, check your heart. I got seven questions for you. And the, well, okay, seven signs. I'm going to give you seven signs that you are a knockoff Christian. Now, listen, this isn't to put you on blast. This is between you and the Lord. But here's, here's number one. Your relationship with God only matters when you're in trouble. If that's you, you're a knockoff. Two, you only read the Bible when. You never read the Bible. If that's you, you're a knockoff. You wonder how close you can get to sin without actually sinning. If that's you, you're a knockoff. Number four, you believe it's okay to hold a grudge against someone if he or she hurts you bad enough. That's you, you're a knockoff. Five, you believe real Christians would never engage with real sinners. That's a knockoff. Six, you believe God rests in a building and not in a group of people. That's a knockoff. And number seven, you think Christian maturity is more about how much you know than what you do. And listen, I'm going to look at the exit sign. If that's you, then you need to reevaluate your walk because you're a knockoff. And when we talk about how the world sees us, see, the world is hemorrhaging. I I said this a couple of weeks ago. The world is dying. The world is hurting. And and we have the answers to the world's issues. But we played church and not been the church. And it's time out because in these last days, as things get worse, guess what? The world doesn't need another service or just another group of people saying they do something. They need a group of people that are what they say they are, do what they say they're going to do and live in a manner that is true to the faith that we say we ascribe to. If you are here and you say, well, I'm not a Christian, then guess what? I'm not talking to you. I'll talk to you at the end. But if you say that I'm a Bible-believing Christ follower, if you say that I'm a tongue-talking, spirit-walking man and woman of God, then what do you look like to those that don't know him? The world needs a real church preaching real truth, practicing real power. It's time out. See, if you fall under those, your churches. And God called you to be the church. And here is Paul talking to young Timothy. And he's saying, In the last days, some things are going to get worse. And he's telling them, Man, watch out. They'll act religious. They may carry their Bible, but they never open it. They may show up on Sunday morning. And they got the gear on, but don't follow them home, Timothy. That's when you get to see the real them. He says, they'll reject the power that can make them holy. Why? Because they they don't want to submit to it. He says, Timothy, stay away from people like that. He's not telling them to stay away from sinners and people that are caught in all types of traps because they don't know Jesus. Paul is saying, if you see anybody who claims to be a Christian and they live like this, run! Because they'll contaminate you. And then he goes down, he says, they have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. Rick uh, Warren, a few years ago on uh, Saddleback's 30th anniversary, And they're reaching, man, what they're reaching now is just insane. Probably over 50,000 in membership or something right now. And he said this to his church. He said, real Christianity uses everyone's gifts. Everybody's a minister. In the original church, there were no audiences. Rather, everyone was a contributor and a participator which led to the tremendous growth of Christianity. And what we've decided to do is come to church and be consumers. I'll consume the message, I'll consume the worship, and then I'll go out and do whatever I wanna do, how I wanna do it, the way that I wanna do it. The church that was in the book of Acts Everybody was in the game. Nobody was sitting on the bench. From, from Eunice to, 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 to Aquila and, and Priscilla, all of them were in the game. And if you think that you became a Christian to sit on the bench and watch other people win people to Christ, you're a knockoff. If you think that your educational pursuits... And your career pursuits are enough to say God is with me. But you're not showing people who God is by the way that you live. You're a knockoff. I'm saying this with all love, y'all. Because I was a knockoff. I know what it's like to come to church, sit in these seats, hear great worship, hear somebody preach their heart out and I feel good when I leave. But wait till I hit that office at 8 a.m. Monday morning. Do people know you're a Christian? Do you, anytime you have to tell somebody you're something, you aren't really that. And if you gotta tell somebody you're a Christian, And they can't just be around you and say, man, there's something about you. I don't know what it is, but there's something about you that's different than everybody else. You may be a knockoff. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, because in the last series, we spent a lot of time talking about how much God loves you. He loves you how much he he, he sent Jesus to die for every single one of us and and how valuable we are to him. Well, just know that was a setup. I spent a whole month setting you up for this series because I wanted you to know God loves you. He thinks the world of you. He loves you. And he says, come to me just as you are, but know this, I love you too much to leave you that way. And Paul says in Romans chapter 12 verse 1 he puts it like this beloved friends what should we or what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy in light of all that he's done for you when i think about jesus and all that is done for me my soul cries hallelujah Thank God for saving me. But when I wake up on Monday morning and I go into my office to see all of the people that I do life with every day, I leave Jesus on my Sunday morning pew and I gotta be me. Paul said, in light of all God's done for you, more than a light bill, More than him sparing your life, he saved you. He says, guess what? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be. And that's why I wanna spend the last part of this. In light of all God's done for us, in light of his mercy, he says, I want you to surrender to be His sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression. And God is not interested in your doing. He's interested in your being. He's interested in who you're becoming. And so I want to, when we understand what God has done for us and we understand that he's interested in who we're becoming, there are four things that I want you to understand if you're going to walk this thing out and not be churchist and not be a knockoff. The first thing you got to be, be a person of integrity. Let me put it in my North St. Louis vernacular. Quit lying. You lie like a rug. You lie for no reason whatsoever. I used to do that. It's like, hey, man, I saw you down at the whatever. No, that wasn't me. But he had a head, he had shoes and a jacket. No, that wasn't me. That was my cousin them. And we lie for no reason whatsoever. But guess what? Either the same mouth that you speak lies, you're trying to speak truth into somebody else's life, and then you're mad that they won't listen to you. But I'm telling you the truth. Oh, this time? You're telling me the truth? Oh, God says this? And when we talk about being a person of integrity, understand this. Your walk affects your witness. You're mad that your friends won't come to church with you. They don't want anything to do with this Jesus that did so much for you. They said, why? If we doing the same thing, I don't need Jesus to do what you're doing with. I can, look, you hanging out with me in the same places. We both cheat on our taxes. I won't even bring up the food stamps this time. Last time somebody tried to get me, so I... Got my car keys ready just in case. I'm, and start the rise. It's like, no, I'm going I'm to I'm step off your toes on the food stamps. I'm going to leave you alone. <laughs> Second Corinthians 8 and 21. For we are taking great pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. That means my walk doesn't just matter with God. My walk matters with people. And if I say that I'm a Christ follower, then guess what? Okay, here we go. You need to start getting to work on time. You need to stop stealing lunch. Time. You say that everybody knows you are a Christian, and yet you're the one that gets 30 minutes for lunch, and you taking 40. Lord knows my heart. Yeah, he knows I. And your friends know your witness. You know, the knockoff market is a $1.2 trillion market. $1.2 trillion. And... Knockoffs are interesting because I I brought y'all, a friend of mine loaned me theirs because I don't have any apparent Jordans. Got these Jordans right here. And these Jordans to the naked eye look exactly alike until you get close. Close. See, from a distance, they look like they're the same shoe. But when you get close and you get to examine them, you realize one is real and one is fake. I looked at these shoes and it's like, I'm looking at it and one of them has 45, which was Jordan's number when he came back from retirement on it. And the other one just has these lines that I have no idea what they are. The real Jordans have a dark, almost purple insignia with Jordan, uh, dunking in the dunk contest. This has a light blue one. And you know what's funny is that in this one, Jordan's legs are spread wider and the ball isn't going up as high. In this one, it's like, it's like he's almost doing a split and the ball is over his head. And here's the funny part. They got in on the real Jordans, they got Jordan right here and over here, I think it's some kind of Israeli Aztec something that makes no sense whatsoever. Here's the challenge. If you don't know what the real thing looks like, You'll think the fake is real. And you'll walk around thinking, you're strutting your fakeness, saying, oh, I'm good. But when somebody shows you the real thing, you're like, oh, that's been fake the whole time. Can I tell you this? Proximity always reveals purity. The closer you get to something the more you're able to see what it looks like. What are you saying, Pastor Tony? I don't get to see the real you on Sunday. You're sitting in a seat. We may talk for five minutes after church. We may get a moment to hang out somewhere else. But do you know who knows you the best? Who is the closest to you? The people who work in the cubicles next to you. The people who live in your house. And when you get up to do whatever you do, listen, I can always tell what's happening in a minister's life by the response of their wife. When I look at somebody preach or minister in any way, I always glance at the wife because if the wife has the stank face, And it ain't because the anointing hit her so hard either. She's looking like, yeah, you saying it now. But man, when we get back in the house, you're going to get back to whatever you're doing. And we get mad that God isn't opening up more doors of ministry, more opportunities to reach. Listen, promotion doesn't come from a man. Promotion doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, or the west. It comes directly from the Lord. So while you're wondering why doors aren't opening, God's like, until you become a person, of integrity, what does it mean? The same person on stage is the same person in the car, the same person on stage is the same person at the grocery store. Yeah. That my voice doesn't change because I have a mic in my hand. When I preach, I want to almost preach like I do when I'm having a conversation with you. I just raise my voice a little bit up here. Why? Because integrity is being the same person everywhere you go. Can I tell you this? Integrity is being the same person when nobody can tell on you. You got to be a person of integrity. And what happens is people see you and oh, like, you're a hypocrite. You're fake. I don't want that Jesus. So we gotta be people of integrity. Number two, you gotta be a student. Steve talked about it in offering teaching. You gotta be a student of the word. Every job has an HR department that has an orientation that teaches you what you should do on your job. And when you have the book, you can refer back to it over and over again to know how to respond and how to be on your job. The Bible is life's instruction manual. If you're not studying your word and you don't know what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to handle situations, you may not even know it, but you're a knockoff. Can I tell you this? The Bible says all the promises in the word are yes and amen. You are struggling through stuff, walking through stuff that the Bible has the answers to. And because you're not a student of the word, you got your person in cubicle is walking through a financial situation. And y'all making some of the same moves. Y'all going to the same payday place. Y'all going to get the same kind of loans. You going to get title loans and going to get all of this stuff. And you doing stuff just like they would do it. And they're like, why do I need your Jesus? We were at the same pawn shop last week. But when you're a student of the word, you don't look to just do what you want to do. You're like, God, how do you want me to handle my money? How do you want me to handle this person just that just offended me? how do you want me to handle my wife and my kids? And I tell you, when you become a student of the word, you get to walk in this crazy thing called the blessing. And when you walk in the blessing, God is now positioned in your life to have himself show off on your behalf. So even though your co-worker and you both got the same pink slip, you are not acting like the co-worker because you got a source that ain't bound by your job or your employment. And now they're asking you? How can you be so peaceful when we're about to lose our jobs? Oh baby, let me tell you about this Jesus. See, my Jesus, my daddy, my Jehovah Jireh, he has a job for me that's better than this one. So while you're wilding out and stressing out and crying, I can come to work with a song on my lips, with a praise in my heart. Why? Because I've been a student and my daddy tells me I will supply your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My daddy tells me through David, I was young but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken and the seed begging for bread. My daddy tells me that if I call on them, he'll hear me and run to my aid. See, when I'm a student of the word, I can appropriate what's mine. You know what appropriate means? It means take possession of what's mine. If I don't know the word, I act like everybody else. I remember when Angie and I had gotten married, and you may have heard me tell it, six months after we got married, both of us got laid off. And I she wanted to go to the movies that day And I wanted to go home and cry. And I went home, spent the afternoon with the Lord, and the Lord dropped a word in my spirit. This is not the end for you. This is me launching you. Got up the next morning. Everybody's sitting around asking, what you going to do? I know they're bringing people in to give us job interviews and stuff like that. But what you gonna do? And everybody's asking these questions and you see, you see these single moms because we work with a lot of single moms and they were stressing and trying to figure out what's next and what's going on. Walked into my boss's office that day. Remember, we in the same boat and we have six kids. So we had, you know, not, not having us working is detrimental to our whole family system. I walked into my boss's office after the next day after spending time with the Lord and the Lord giving me a word because I got in his word and found out what he said about my situation. And when I got in the word that afternoon, he began to show me things about what he was about to do in my personal life, went into my boss and I said, do you mind if I start a Bible study? Because there are people hurting right now that need hope. Looked at me like I was crazy. Don't you need hope? What are you doing? I said, no, I have hope. I know what's about to happen on my behalf. And I stood up in front of that room and I said, those of you that know Jesus in this room, this is not the end of your life. This is the beginning. God's about to launch you into something new. You're about to, whenever God closes a door and you weren't the reason why he closed it. Now, I'm not talking about y'all that have been tardy or late and doing all that stuff and they let you go. That's on you. But I'm talking about when the when the job closes down and you didn't even know about it. When when something shifts. Man, when those moments happen, God's about to do something ridiculous. God's about to do something crazy. He's about to bless you in a way that you never imagined. And I was able to go in that room that day and say, yes. It's about to pop off for you. And they looked at me like I had three eyeballs. But see, because I was a student of the word, I knew what God had for me. When you're a student, people know it because your witness will show it. Why are you at peace when we're all in turmoil? Because I know what he says about me. The third one. I tell you this too, I I put this in the note. There is a power in I don't know. Many of you all don't witness, don't tell people anything, because you're like, Well, I don't know the scriptures yet. I have learned power and I don't know. Then when somebody asks me a question that I don't know, instead of trying to fake it and lie and act like I know it and make myself look stupid and and hinder the whole process of the faith, I say, you know what, I don't know, but guess what, I'll go study it out and I'll bring it back to you when I do know. See, it's time out for us walking in pride and thinking we got to know everything and, and the world is asking us questions and we throwing out crazy answers just to act like we got this thing down. We are all growing, we are all developing, and I love to tell somebody I don't don't know, but I'm going to find out because I'm a student. Number three, be real. You want to not be churches? Be real. Stop being fake. Stop trying to act like you have it all together when you don't. It's not, you know, faith isn't about denying reality. Faith is about looking reality right in the face and saying, guess what? The doctor may have given me a different report but I'm believing God to be healed. My finances may not be where I want them to be, but guess what? I'm believing God because he says he'll supply my needs according to his riches and glory. And when we do this with the world, we like to throw out these, these faith superlatives and faith thoughts and whatever, and the world is looking at us, no, you're in denial. So you know what I learned to do? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna be laid off. God's got something else. Yeah, this doesn't feel good. That hurt. But God's going to get me through it. Faith isn't me denying what's taking place. Faith is me looking at what's taking place and being real about it and saying this may be a fact, but the truth is what God said. And so I love the way Paul said it. He said in Philippians 3, 12 and 14. And I love this. I'm not saying I have this all together. That I've made it. But I'm well on my way. Reaching for Christ. Who so wonderfully reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on a goal, Where God is beckoning me onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. And I'm not turning back. This is the apostle Paul. He said, listen, I don't have it all together. God's still working some anger issues out in me. God's still working some hurt out in me. But guess what? I'm working on something. I may still be struggling. I may still have some issues. But you know what? I'm working on some stuff. And I call this the power of transparency. When you can be transparent with people and be like, hey, you you went out and smoked a cigarette during break. And you be real. Yeah. Lord's been dealing with me about that. I'm struggling with it, but I believe God's going to get me through it. But you still, yeah, you're right. And I feel bad about it because I know God, this isn't what God wants for me, but I'm working on something. See, when you can be transparent and real and not sit there with the cigarette in your hand and get mad and say, don't judge me. You can't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge or you'll be judged. That's why they call you fake. That's why they call you a hypocrite. That's why you may be a knockoff. That's why you may be churches. God gives us places of growth and development. Stop trying to fake it to the people that don't know Jesus. Do you know people want to connect, people will connect with you more in your struggle than they will in your pride? Well, you're if, if you like, yep, I'm struggling with this too, but God's gonna get me through it. Do you know what that just did to you for a person that doesn't know Jesus? It just connected you with them. And now you're no longer a hypocrite. Now you're not fake because you're admitting you're in a struggle and you're trying to overcome it. And this is one of the greatest, excuse me. This is one of the greatest frustrations with people that don't go to church. Because we try and act like we got it all together. We're trying to act like we're, no, I'm holier than thou. No, I, uh-uh, I'm good. And they're like, well, that don't look good. I don't know the Bible, but I know enough about the Bible that I don't think that's in the Bible. The way you just cuss them out, I don't think that that's something you should be doing. <laughs> you know what? The Bible talks about when to go to great pains, to walk in integrity and look a certain way before God or man. There are moments as a Christian when you blow it in front of a non-Christian where you just need to tell them, yeah, that was wrong. I should not have done that. And I had to repent to God for it because I know that's not what God wants us to do. Do you know what that does to a person that doesn't know Jesus? That it's a, whoa, God forgives you like that? That's it. Well, maybe I need this God. And then the last one, be a witness. Be a witness. The Titanic has these two great storylines in it. There were three messages that went to the Titanic to tell them that there was an iceberg that was coming up. And basically, the captain and everybody else ignored those messages because they couldn't see anything. So they didn't do anything. But the greatest travesty was this. There were lifeboats that were dispatched that could have fit everybody in the lifeboat. But some people got in lifeboats and lifeboats were half full. And instead of turning around and going back and getting the people, 1,500 people died that day. Instead of going back and getting the people that were on the lifeboats, they were so afraid that it would cause a panic on the people that were on the lifeboat that they left the people on the Titanic to die. Their fear of rejection and turmoil caused them to let other people die. They said, listen, we're good. We're saved. As long as we're saved, we're fine. Let the other people die. And that's how some of us live our Christian walk. I made the walk down the aisle. I gave my life to Jesus. Pardon my thought, but this is real, and I'm using the place. Some of us say to hell with everybody else. As long as I'm saved. As long as I'm living for Jesus. And the thing that you're you're like, I don't want to risk people rejecting me. I don't want to risk people telling me that I'm a holy roller. I don't want to risk people telling me that I think I'm better than them. So listen. You would rather see them die and go to hell than risk them acting a certain way towards you? God didn't save you just for you to be saved. He saved you. He delivered you from addiction. He delivered you from the pit of hell. Why? Because he wanted to use you to save somebody else. And when we focus so much on our well-being and not trying to reach other people, I'm sorry. But if that's you, you're a knockoff. Real faith understands that real people need a real Jesus. And I have the real answers. And today, God's calling us higher. He's calling us higher. He's calling this church higher. The city needs a church that's not focused on another service, but a church that's focused on serving. They need, this city needs a church that's not focused on building funds and focused on dinners and focused on all of the stuff that's great and may be needed, but that's not our focus. The reason why we are here, the reason why we exist is because God wants to express himself through us to save the prostitute on Natural Bridge near Newstead. There are people dying in our streets every day. And all we care about is if I tell them about Jesus, he's going to reject me? That's not godly. That's not Christ-like. It's time. It's time for us to no longer be churches but to be the church. And to stand up and to say, I, even if you reject me, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Even if you cuss me out, I'll tell you about Jesus. And maybe some of us have the boldness like David Wilkerson, as he said to Nikki Cruz, when he was telling Nikki Cruz about Jesus, he says, if you decide to cut me, if you cut me in a thousand pieces, all thousand pieces will scream, Jesus loves you. That is the boldness that we need today. Hope you enjoyed that message. If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.